Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 now all of us really that come to christ we're called beloved in the the new testament that when we come to christ you're called beloved and that's why some of my emails to you i sign beloved one you know to you i'm addressing Beloved one, because I don't want you to forget that. But there is a special relationship here that God has with Daniel because Daniel had a, had a pursuit and he had a desire and he wanted to be with God. And he's reminded, oh, loved one of God. You are loved of God. You are loved of God. So let's move forward with Gabriel's role here as we get into this, as we start edging towards the 70 weeks. I want you to see Gabriel's role in this revelation. Now, Gabriel's an angel of God, uh, an angel that God uses to deliver the mail. That's all Gabriel is. He's just delivering the mail. God used angels to for revelation in the old testament at mount sinai given the ten commandments it was an angel that delivered those to moses and and here gabriel it says that the man gabriel and that does not does not mean that he was a man that he was human like you and i that was used as an identity point of the man he saw in the vision in chapter eight and so angels at times appeared as humans uh, in the Bible, you see that, and, and uh, they can manifest that way. At other times, people were just fearful, and they were frightened when an angel showed up. But when you look at something like Genesis 19, and you see with Abraham when uh, Sodom and Gomorrah is going to be destroyed, there, there's angels there that he's entertaining, that he's feeding, that he's showing hospitality to. Do you know Hebrews 13.2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. You know that person you didn't know and you fed them anyway? That could have been an angel. You may get to heaven and be shocked. Hey, you remember you gave me $10 out there in front of Vaughn's. You know, I think angels are used as tests sometimes. Further proof that Gabriel's an angel here, he came in swift flight to Daniel. Now, Humans don't do that. They don't fly swiftly. If you do, if you say you do, I'm going to drug test you. Just up front, I'm going to drug test you. So angels fly swiftly. And see, they come from somewhere. They're not omnipresent. They're not omnipresent like God. So wherever an angel is dispatched from, they come like that. They fly swiftly. Now, there's some spiritual warfare we see in uh, Daniel 10. You're going to see that where there's a war going on between God's messenger and the prince of Persia. And there's a spiritual battle going on. But, but Gabriel holds a special place, I think, 
uh, I'm sure of it, because of how he's mentioned in the Bible. Here he's revealing to, to Daniel the vision, but you notice that in the New Testament he shows up to John the Baptist's father and he reveals to him that he's, he and his wife Elizabeth are going to give birth to John the Baptist. And then Gabriel also shows up with Mary, that she's going to be conceived of the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth to Jesus, the Messiah, the one to sit on David's throne. And and Gabriel was used in this capacity. So he's kind of like a right-hand man to God when you see him through the scriptures. He's he's like the right-hand man, the, the one that's going to give these primary messages. And angels aren't to be worshipped. We have to understand that. I mean, this culture was at one point was infatuated with angels, and there was almost like this angel worship going on, and you still see it today. And, and angels aren't to be worshipped. They're only mailmen for God, or they're dispatched to you. That's what um, Hebrews says in 1.14, that if you're saved, you've got at least an angel with you. Listen to this. Hebrews 1.14, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Angels serve those who are of the Lord. We saw in Jesus' earthly ministry, remember he was tempted in the wilderness and uh, for 40 days. And even though angels didn't deliver him from the temptation, when the temptation was done, he was hungry. And the Bible says that in chapter 4, verse 11 of Matthew, then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. And angels do that for us today. You, you need to understand there's a real place for angels. And I think the uh, inundation by the culture of angels in movies and things like that, we tend to lose the sense of seriousness and in our relationship with God, that they do play a part. Now, this is why you see testimonies of people that are across seas and they're in prison. They'll say, man, somebody showed up. We don't know who he was, but brought me food or delivered me from my imprisonment or delivered me from my captives. And these are bona fide believers in Jesus Christ. And we see where that happens. And you can't underestimate that. If you know Christ, you have an angel. But don't worship him. Gabriel says in verse 23, at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you. See, sometimes we think that God doesn't hear our prayers, and he does. You know, when God doesn't answer a prayer the way you think it should be answered, it's not that he didn't answer it. He just, you don't like the answer. But when we pray, we see how swiftly God moves, don't we? We see that even in this situation that he shows up and he's going to give, um, he's going to give uh, Daniel the revelation. Because Daniel is praying. He's seeking the Lord on behalf of his people. He wants to know the future. What do, what do, what do you hold for my people, Lord? And I think that's a right heart to pray for our country. is not to, to so much slam people or leaderships. Uh, i got to say, I've never seen leadership so blind in this country right now. Never. But I'm not supposed to ridicule that. I'm supposed to pray. Because all of you are part of the United States. All of you uh, live under the American flag. People that protest that need to go to another country and see how, how life is there. I'm proud to be an American, but I'm prouder to be a Christian. I, I, wherever God puts me, wherever God puts me, 
I want to thrive. If it's in another country, so be it. So now we see God's revelation in Daniel chapters, uh, chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. And this is really an amazing prophecy. I said it, it just builds so much hope in my heart because the prophecy is so exact. It's right down to the day. Now, I'm going to tell you, we're going to enter into some controversial stuff. Any prophecy like this is going to have controversy to it, and there's different views. My goal today was actually to bring two views to you so that you can understand what I believe are the most probable and most accurate views. It's kind of like when I take people to Israel, there's two tombs. You've got the garden tomb, then you've got the tomb of the Holy Sepulcher, and both could be the possibility of where Jesus was buried. He could have been in the garden tomb. The Bible says in John's gospel that there, there was a tomb in a garden. It was right there at the garden. Um, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, that was, that was a, a graveyard, a cemetery that was outside of the city gates at the time too. Both cemeteries were outside of the city gates. If you were to ask me which one, I can tell you which one I think it is. But both are in the realm of possibility. It's got to be one or the other because both were new tombs. And so as we get into this prophecy, I want you to see, please, because in verse 24, how this starts, you need to know this concerns the Jewish people in Israel. It concerns Jerusalem. Look what he says in verse 24. Seventy weeks are decreed about your people in your holy city. There's no haziness there. And, and yet I've read commentaries where people do gymnastics with this stuff. And they start to spiritualize it. They, they start to say things that that really is pertaining to the church and other things down the road. And, and they're usually people that maybe not are purposely building anti-Semitism. They're not anti-Semites themselves, but they don't see that Israel has a role in the Jewish people in God's agenda, and unknowingly they give ammunition to the enemies of Israel. This is concerning. God is not done with the Jewish people in Israel. I was at a meeting in Beverly Hills at the house of the uh, consul general of Israel. He's in charge of the relationships between Israel and the United States. There were 10 of us pastors that were invited, and I went there, and the whole purpose of this was to solidify our relationship with Israel and to try and strategize ways to strengthen the Christian communities in their understanding of Israel and God's plan and also, number one, to combat anti-Semitism because anti-Semitism is on the rise in the United States. But there's so many people that are against even like a prophecy like this that it's so clear to me. Now, as far as dates, that may be something else, but, but, but this, is, this is pretty clear when you line it up with the New Testament. To me, there, there shouldn't be any discrepancy that God has a plan for the Jewish people and for the holy city of Jerusalem. And I tell people, okay, so if God's done with them, what do you have to hang your hat on? If God made promises to you, how can you be assured they're going to come through? I was in a Facebook challenge with somebody who said that Jews don't belong in the land, that Israel's, and I mean, that is the most amazing 
historical accident I've ever seen. The Jews coming back to the land being birthed as a nation again. 2,000 years they were no nation. After 2,000 years they're birthed again and now they're going back into the land. Why? Because of Daniel chapter 9. Because of Daniel chapter 9. And because of the promises that God said that he would fulfill with them. And it is amazing what we see in God's word concerning them. To be pro-Israel does not mean to be anti-Palestinian, by the way. We pray for Palestinians to get saved. We pray for both. There's actually congregations over there that are mixed with Jews and Palestinians. You just see the bad side. But we do believe that we're going to hold to God's word on what he says concerning the land of Israel. To me, it's not even hazy. So we see this. The second thing you need to see is that in that first verse is that there's 70 weeks decreed by God. Now that word for decreed literally means to cut off. It's almost as if God carved off 70 weeks in history just for those people to finish it. It's almost like going through a buffet and and they've got the, the prime rib there and they carve it off and they put it on your plate. God carved off 70 weeks to be done. Now these are not uh, day weeks as you and I know them. The word for weeks there is Shavua or Shavuim, which is plural. It means seven. So the proper translation of that in the literal Hebrew is 70 sevens. That word in Hebrew is used like you and I use a dozen. If we say a dozen, what do you mean? It's 12 of something. It could be a dozen eggs. It could be a dozen cars. It could be a dozen quarters. We just know it's 12 of something. It's used for 12 of something. When it comes to this word in Hebrew, it's seven of something. It doesn't literally mean days. In fact, days don't even fit in this prophecy. Don't even fit in this prophecy. So what do we need to do here? Well, we know there's 77s that are going to be decreed. We know this is years because Daniel is thinking in years. He would have said days or he would have said 70 uh, sevens of weeks or 70 sevens of months if he wasn't thinking that because you see it at the beginning of chapter 9. In the first year of Darius, the son of uh, Ahasuerus by descent to Mede, who was made king over in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years. The number of years. This is what he's praying in and if it was anything other than years that he's speaking of, he would have made it clear there. So I need you to understand that when we look at these 70 weeks, there's 70 sevens of years, not days like Sunday through Saturday. Okay, so we see this, and it only makes sense that years can fit in this because we're going to get into the prophecy in just one moment. But, but no, it's concerning the Jewish people. Um, it's concerning the holy city. And it's concerning 77s of years, which we'll get into in a moment. The other thing you see in verse 24, which is one of the most encouraging things to me in this prophecy, is he's going to accomplish six things in that verse 24. Now look at this. 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgressions. That's number one. This refers to the Jews' rejection of Christ, of the Messiah, because the word there has the connotation of rebellion. Now, Israel has not received Christ like you and I as the Messiah. 
In fact, even the consul general that they met with, that we met with, he's not a Christian. He sees the prophetic scriptures as coming the one time from the Messiah, not two. The first time Christ came, he came for our sins. Second time, he's coming back to rule and reign. That's all they see is his second coming. Okay, but there's going to be a finish to that. The Jews will quit rebellion. Secondly, he's going to put an end to sin. The word translated refers uh, to the sins of daily life like immorality, dishonesty, you know, pornography, you know, all, lust, all of these things, greed, these daily sins that are there. There's going to come an end to that sin. How many can say amen to that? How many are tired of the sin of this culture? I am so Tired sometimes, you know, and that's why Jesus said when you walk through this world, you're going to get your feet dirty and disciples need to wash one another's feet. That was the whole purpose of John chapter 13 because we live in a sinful world, but that's going to come to an end. Thirdly, he says to atone for iniquity. We know that Jesus Christ died for our sins and those who have come to Christ in faith have their sins atoned for. But as the rest of the prophetic scriptures say, Israel is going to come to recognize that. They're going to have an atonement for their sins as well. Fourthly, bring in everlasting righteousness. This refers to how the Messiah is going to reign in his 1,000-year period. After that 70th week of Daniel, there's going to be ushered in a 1,000-year reign where Jesus Christ will rule and reign with absolute righteousness. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 to 7, For to us a child is born, to us a son is Given and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is all speaking about Christ ruling and reigning in that thousand-year reign that we see in Revelation chapter 20. The fifth thing that he's going to accomplish through these 70 weeks is um, to seal both vision and profit, the verse says. There's not going to be another need, any more need of the revelation for Israel's future. All of this will be sealed up when the Lord comes back and returns all of prophecy will be sealed up. It's like, okay, close our Bibles, it's done with. That type of thing. The sixth thing, lastly, is to anoint the most holy place. Now, when you read that in the Hebrew, it says to anoint the most holy. Some think it's the Messiah. I happen to think it's the holy place of the temple that's going to be there in the millennial reign, that thousand-year reign. So these things are really the hope and dreams of all of humanity. All those things are going to be done when God is done with his people at the end of the tribulation period. Now, just those things alone should give you and I hope. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at how the 77s are broke down. I put a little screen there, a little um, thing. So in verse 24 that we read, the entire 70 weeks is there, 490 years. Daniel 9.25, the first 69 weeks 
Um, there's going to be one week and 62 weeks means 69 weeks. We see that in verse 25. In verse 26, there's the gap between the 69th and the 70th week. The 70th week is 70 years. We see that in Daniel 9.27 lined up with the tribulation period in Revelation chapter 6 through uh, 19. So here is how they're broken down according to Daniel. Now the 70 weeks are divided this way and I believe they're divided this way because it, the seven sevens, which is 49 years, is what it took to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. He, did, he could have just said 69 weeks and then get to the 70th week at the end, but he doesn't do that. He says seven weeks and he says 62 weeks for a total of 69 weeks. And I believe that, that reason is to get Israel or Jerusalem rebuilt. Now, I said that the ESV had a bad translation. Listen to the New American Standard. I believe this is a better translation because it keeps the 62 and the 70, uh, the 62 and the seven weeks together. The N um, Daniel 9:25. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah, the prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. See how he keeps them together? That is accurate to the Hebrew. Doesn't divide those. He says 62, or seven weeks and 62 weeks. Then says it will be built again with plaza and moat even in times of distress. And even the footnote of the ESV version that you have says that same thing. It, it actually says what I just read to you. Now, we're looking at a prophecy where God is going to finish his work with Israel. It's going to be 490 years. And the beginning of this 490 years is going to be right there in verse 25. Now, he says, knowing therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and rebuild Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks and then there's 62 weeks. So here's what you've got. You've got a total of 69 weeks from the going out of a word. There's a decree given to go rebuild Jerusalem, to go rebuild the city. And the question is, where is that decree? Because if we know where that decree is, we can then figure out where the 69 weeks end up, right? Amen? You still with me? Okay. So there's four decrees given when the Jews are released from their captivity, as God promised he would do. Right now the city's in ruins. Daniel's praying. The prophecy is given and it's going to be a decree. Hey, you Jews can go back and rebuild Jerusalem now. There were four decrees given. Listen to these. One was in 538 B.C. by Cyrus the king. His decree was to rebuild the temple. That was 2 Chronicles 36, verse 23, and Ezra chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. There was another decree given after that, and that was kind of a reinforcement um, that went out by Darius Ezra, chapter 6, verses 1 to 2. You can read that decree. That's decree number 2. The third decree went out in 458 and was given by Artaxerxes. And we see this one in Ezra, chapter 7, verses 12 to 26. And there was a fourth decree. 
The fourth decree was given by Artaxerxes in 444 B.C. to Nehemiah. You can read it in Nehemiah chapter 2. And that was going to rebuild the city. Now listen to me. There's only two possible decrees, two possible decrees that would fit the 69 weeks. You're looking at 69 weeks, 69 sevens of years, 483 years up to the coming of an anointed one. That's Jesus. There's no question because the Bible says, then he's cut off. And that term in Hebrew, cut off, it literally was used of criminals to be killed. So Jesus was the innocent one that died for criminals like you and me. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro. Or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977